Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Camera, action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can talk to film. I'm sorry. Take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd will come out of the gods. Let's action. This is Real Nerds Podcast. We are the best podcast to go to for all your movie needs. I am Ryan, and joining me is the, the OG Real Nerd, Brad. What's up? I'm back, as always, every week. Yep. I know. It's been only you and I for the last, uh, what, like four weeks? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Maybe That's five. why it's been so great. <laughs> I know listenership has exploded. <laughs> it really has. I don't know where to look at the stats, but I'm sure they're just like a graph that's just going up and up and up, right? <laughs> yeah, I, dude, bro, you know that's what's happening, bro. <laughs> the best of the best, bro. The best of the best. You were like, there were there was just too many opinions before. I I couldn't follow anything, but now it's just two <laughs> dudes. Now it's just two white cis dudes, man. <laughs> There's yeah. not enough shows. The perspective we needed <laughs> for movies. <laughs> Instead of talking about movies wasn't superficial enough. <laughs> Every week on Real Nerds, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Babylon. Stay tuned where we will recommend the film or not, play the trailer, and then spoil the film. We also talk about stuff we've been watching and the big movie news of the week. But I like to start every week with asking Brad how his week was. Brad, how was your week? Oh, that's very kind of you, buddy. Um, it was fine. You know, it's it's post-holidays. I, um, I didn't do much except since I couldn't do my, my new job two of those days, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, I just hey, stayed home and cleaned up a lot of the mess that's accumulated. Um, for my various projects and then i went and saw another movie which i'll talk about later nice what'd you do uh i worked and <laughs> um had to plan my kids christmas and um yeah it's about it I, I i'm always really busy around this time because i usually work um christmas eve and christmas day and it's just um a lot of domestic mm-hmm. disputes uh no actually it was an it was an awful day but, um, but you know, it is what it is. I was kind of shocked how bad it was because usually I work, this is my seventh Christmas I've worked and usually it's really quiet. One of my favorite, most favorite calls happened on Christmas. I was driving down an alley and I saw this little baby bulldog, like jumping up and down in the snow, eating it. And it was really funny. <laughs> and, um, I was like, man, how did this guy get out? 
So I picked him up and I saw this gate that had a little, that was opened a little bit and these little paws running out of there. So, oh, that's where he came from. And I put him back in his backyard and then I heard a growl of another dog and it was his mom. So I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely where he goes. <laughs> what an adorable um, little Christmas miracle. I know. So that, I, that happened like four or five years ago. It's my favorite Christmas call ever. Um, the one that I just saw the little doggy eating snow running down the alley and he was super friendly. And it was really cool. I, he, I don't know. He was probably 10 pounds when I got him. His name is Tank. And I saw him later in the year at this uh, barbecue at one of the uh, the Elk Lodge up here. They have like a horseshoe tournament and barbecue. And I went there and he was sitting in a like a lawn chair, not sitting like a dog, but sitting as if he was a human. And he was leaning back and he had one of his paws like across his junk. It was really funny. <laughs> and he's a nice dog. He's always around. Anyways, ninety pounds now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he's if you could pick a prototypical English bulldog, it's definitely him. He has the really big head and the huge chest, and he's really like cute and uh, you know just if you had to pick one, if you're gonna draw like a cartoon English bulldog, it's definitely him. So yeah, but it didn't happen this time. And then yeah, all I did was crap. Have you had any but where like it's all right? Some dude gets drunk and then falls into the Christmas tree and like electrocutes himself and it burns the tree and sets his house on fire. But that'd that'd be funny. I mean, if you died, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, I, I did have a lady who was dropped off by a bus, completely drunk, and I called out of service after I was already on for twelve and a half hours, and. Uh, I was just driving home and she was lying in the middle of the street. And so I had to take care of that. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe the bus just dropped her off and was like, you know what? See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I would I tell have... you where the bus came from, but I don't want to get people in trouble. That's okay. I don't need to know. I'll never connect yeah. those dots. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is a ski resort up here, but uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, could always be worse. You're like you're poor. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. Anything about me? <laughs> but yeah, you know, getting ready for the end of the year, getting our film explosion list together, which is we're recording January eighth, and uh, we're going to do something new that you came up with, Brad. Why don't you tell our listeners our new little thing we're doing for uh, film explosion? Yeah. So just among us, uh, I decided that. You know, it's been 11 years. We should have a good sense of what everyone's taste in film explosion lists could possibly be. So I figured it might be fun to test that by playing a little game where each of us will um, guess the other nerds lists like the like pick three movies that they think will be on each of those lists and then guess where they might rank within that list. And if you get it right on the money you get three points and if you're within one or two like right movie but you know wrong wrong rank by you know one or two then uh you get one point and then if you're just you know off then you get no points so um, so are we doing this before we start the list or um if let's say you know it gets to me and i say and my number 10 movie is and someone says stop your number 10 movie is gonna be fucking 
Morbius. Uh, I was going to ask you how to do that because, like, in my head, I thought maybe we should just go around before we we read any of the lists and say, like, okay, I'm Brad. Here's what I guess Ryan's three are. Here's what I guess Zach's three are. Um, and everyone just keeps their mouth shut. So we just like we just write it down, and oh, then okay. as we go through the evening, you know, then we check it against what we wrote down, and then say like, oh, Brad and James got it. Uh, you know, when Zach's number yeah. five comes up or whatever. Um, obviously, yeah, I, I don't want to jinx us either, but there is a rumor going around that the other original real nerd, James Hart, will be on this film explosion. He better After a show two up. Two year absence. <laughs> he better show up because uh, he told me to put his list on the DVD. So if it's not so there, is he going to actually upset. be there? Or is he going to be on Zoom? He's going to be on Zoom, as far as I know. I mean, well, unless... I can't wait. Do we know what time we're doing this at yet? Uh, I assume the evening, right? Yeah, I was just curious. I don't know. Yeah. Um, probably, yeah, the evening's best, I, I think, unless you want to get up early and go down the bug. <laughs> I mean, I I will. It's a Sunday, right? Yeah, I don't mind. I get up early anyways, dude. I have a freaking eight year old kid. Um, I mean, I, I think I'd rather do some shopping for my job and then go to the bug because you know the worst shops are at the end of the night. <laughs> so that would be my choice if that's cool. Well, yeah, just tell me. I don't want to set do up. it like at nine p.m., but if you want to do it like at five, I'm down. Yeah, like five or six or something. Yeah. I guess it will take cool. longer if we have James and Corinne. Yeah, and remember, James is an hour ahead of us, so... Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, see, I already blew it. <laughs> yep. Uh, I just got fired from the radio. Look at that. Yep, oh. you are not welcome back by the FCC. Do you think they're on a delay? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they are. Um, but... Yeah, so... You're just going to have to watch your fucking mouth, dude. Yeah, we'll work it out. But yeah, let's. Yeah, it's because I guess we of... should ask James what time works for him. Yeah, I guess this whole thing was to revolve around his schedule now, I guess. <laughs> A little prima <Yep>. donna. <laughs> but yeah, and obviously because I take all your lists, I have to make my guesses before those even come in. So I will do that probably tonight. And, and uh, uh, in, uh, I think you should send me the list. You I know, will. Just be. Just because I don't want any shenanigans from you, you're a shenanigan. I know you word? can't trust me. <laughs> I'm 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 deceiving people left and right. I know. That, so. I mean, isn't that your supervillain name, the Deceiver? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No comment. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that'll be that should be a fun little addition to our uh, program. So yeah, I'm that'd excited. be fun. Like I'm, I'm pretty confident I know what most people's number ones are, but you know it's, it's also it's also not a Spider-Man year, so I don't have a complete hold on what you've got. But um, I think I have a pretty good idea of what people's are, and but the, the the real question is where they rank. Yeah, I you know I'm actually going back and forth on my list. I have so I always do a private list on um, Letterbox throughout the year, and every movie I like I put on that list, and. This year, uh, this week, I went back and checked. I had 14, so I need to get rid of four of them and then settle in on a um, a ranking and then go from there. 
I'm conflicted about how if I, I want to like I have enough movies to make a 10 that I'm pretty okay with but also you know I usually uh throw my own movies on there so that I can make my you know nine and ten an easier decision but yeah. uh like I said there's there's too many that I want to put on the list that I, I don't know if I should do that this time yeah um yeah I think my top three are pretty locked but the rest of them we'll see yeah my one through five set it's the uh six through ten then I'm a little like there's all these other ones that I want to talk about but there's just no room yeah but whatever i do decide i'm going to do a supplemental list like article later saying like here's all the other ones you know these didn't make my top 10 but you know they're cool things that i think everyone should see yeah so, I'll, I'll figure it out that way sure yeah um awesome well lots to look forward to in the next couple of weeks this week we went back to 19 19- 26 in Hollywood when it was full of crazy parties and things like that. Brad, do you recommend Babylon? Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, it's, I'm not sure what I was supposed to get out of it. I think if you're an old Hollywood nerd, wink, wink, uh, you'll probably love it. Um, you know, it's not a documentary. So I've been seeing people complaining about its accuracy to that period, but also I I understood there was a dramatization, and so the heightened reality of a lot of things going on was a lot of fun to me. Um, and I did enjoy it, it's very episodic in what goes on, and so all the little onset shenanigans, um, which I'll talk about in more detail. Like I appreciate that a lot. That was a lot of fun you know, as someone who has been on set for things and seen these problems. Um, so, but the, yeah, then the, the last, uh, the end of it was very questionable uh, artistically. Uh, so yeah, I, I think if you, if you're, if you're a risk taker, I think it's uh, a movie you might enjoy, but if uh, you're put off by raunchiness and uh, sinful debauchery, I think you might tune out in the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely hits the ground running. Yeah, I, you know, I think you and you and I are in the same boat. I, the I really like the performances. I thought for the most part the film was really dynamic. Um, at the same time, I did feel that it was a little masturbatory on the uh, runtime. Uh, not that it ever really dragged, but it didn't I don't think it needed to be three hours long. And yeah, the ending was a little extra. <laughs> um, like I can't believe I saw Avatar twice this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and it really was out of place in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a film I want to see again because there's stuff in it I really enjoyed. Uh, but I don't know when I want to see it again. Yeah, I'm conflicted because there's a cool steelbook coming, but it's also not a movie that I was like gangbusters over. <laughs> like, I can't wait you for know? that disc. So, yeah, it's yeah. Here's the trailer for Babylon. 
I think what we have here in Hollywood is high art. It's... Party time! Sparkle time! If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. Yes! Let's go! Something that lasts, that means something. You know, when I first moved to L.A., you know what the signs on all the doors read? No actors or dogs allowed. I changed that. Morning. Good job for you. I'll do anything. That's the jackass they said to screw us. This bitch is stealing the scene right from Mimi. She's icing her nipples so they perk up through her dress. I ain't icing my nipples. This is natural. Where do you say we come in for my close-up now? What are your thoughts for the future? Shouldn't stand in the way of progress. This is gonna be what it's gonna be. Here's the twist. Whoa! The girl seems nice. She is. She has no idea what's next. There's a new sensibility now. People care about morals. I've never done nothing except disappoint people my whole life. But I made it on my terms, not theirs. We are going to be more than they ever bargained for. What I do means something. It's bigger than you. <laughs> You touched on it in your introduction. Uh, Babylon is an episodic three-hour epic about the early days of the talking pictures in Hollywood, which that story has been done a lot in movies. Holy shit, Um, this year alone. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they reference it in um, Singing in the Rain, and that's even in the film as well. Uh, And it's it follows the career it starts with um a young man named manuel who is i mean I, do you know what his job is at the party at the beginning he just helps he was a uh, he was just a elephant wrangler and so he his uh, yeah i guess but uh, it seems like he but he had something else at the party though too yeah cuz flea was already knew him so yeah I, and they I, told him to help with uh getting the woman who OD'd, <laughs> you know, out of the party. Um, but anyways, his name's Manuel, and Margot Robbie literally crashes on the scene in a car, <laughs> and she just wants to be a star, so he gets her into the party, um, where she's discovered because the wanderer who OD'd is supposed to be on a movie set in the morning, so they pick her instead, and... uh. You, we also meet Brad Pitt, who is transitioning from a silent movie star to a talky movie star, which was also done in The Artist. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and he buddies he, up with Manuel. Yeah, and he and Manuel kind of just falls into being uh, kind of like his valet or assistant. Yeah, um, his gopher. Yeah, that gopher. That's a good word because he just does 
errands for him. Yeah. But he quickly proved his worth by being, um, uh, working through problems in ingenious ways, you know, trying to rent a camera. And he, I guess he steals an ambulance to get it back to the movie set. Um, Margot Robbie's um, Nelly is in this little short that they used to put in before movies. Uh, and she's so uh, tantalizing in it that she starts upstaging everybody else and she rockets to stardom. And uh, Brad Pitt is still the biggest draw for MGM. And he goes through divorces and things like that throughout the film. Uh, and yeah, so then it's just a transition from that throughout. Because I think the film takes place over until the end where it goes forward 20 years. But it's about six years of these people's lives before it flash forwards at the very end. Um, yeah, it juxtaposes the the like the freedom of filmmaking before talkies came into being where there's very little oversight i I mean in in the war scene in that first filming thing (laughs) a dude gets impaled with a spear um and they just like there's literally dudes who are who are hurt like it looks like a real battle scene afterwards yeah like no consideration for set safety um and there's no uh, like hangar that they're filming like it's all these uh, makeshift sets built out in a field, all kind yeah, of. I wonder if that's how other. it really was. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what liberty is. This things really like I don't know that much about old Hollywood specifically, but uh, I'd like to think that's the way it, it did. But yeah, it's a very like ramshackle enterprise. And then yeah, once and talkies hit. Uh, there's this great scene where they're just trying to get one line done with Marco Robbie and just. Oh yeah, that scene's awesome. All the details, like the, like the 27 takes of they're trying to hit your mark and uh, people are sweating and lights and and just trying not to get background sound. And uh, as a filmmaker, I could feel the frustration of like, man, just adding sound made everything so much more complicated, didn't it? Yeah. You know, I did like the lady who played the director in that mm-hmm. um, because she's really great in that scene um, where she's trying to accommodate which I know you probably relate to the actors, the sound, <laughs> the, the blocking, you know, everything that's happening. Yeah, and I, uh, I never have a, like a first AD. So that one guy who's just shouting at everybody trying to get everything to work um, like that's so unpleasant. But um, that's what they do is they let the director worry about the craft and they keep everyone on schedule. Yeah. And I mean, it was all brand new to them. So they just seeing that process was really cool. Uh, And that's what I mean. Like this movie has so many cool moments like that. Those are the scenes that stick out for me. Not the debauchery, like you said, where the beginning opens in a huge orgy with tons of nudity, tons of drugs. Uh, You know, what can we get away with? And they they introduce all the characters because there's the, uh, the, the, the jazz trumpeters. Yeah. Sidney Powell, who's actually, I love his uh interactions with his uh bandmate throughout the film where he says man you're playing flat again i'm gonna hit you upside your head if you keep playing flat i thought those are always really funny um yeah 
And then it, his uh, builds to like one of the most devastating moments of the movie where oh uh, yeah his friend who like who thought it was his friend Manny uh like orders him to wear blackface um like oh that was just like so rough to watch it was and it's and that's where you 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 know you really liked Manny at the beginning of the movie but as Hollywood changed his character changed yeah. because you know before he was saying that you know, um, from Mexico, but in that party, he was saying he was from Spain because it's more exotic. And, uh, and, and it was interesting how Hollywood was before. And then they kind of started, you know, classing it up. Uh, and Margot Robbie's Nelly didn't fit in. And that scene of her at the party was pretty great. And, uh, I mean, there's a little, there's some funny bits where Brad Pitt, and another guy are in the bathroom and he says, don't you, why would you want sound in the movies? And it's, this guy's. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's like way more shitting and vomiting than I expected out of this movie. Yeah. And it's, uh, but like I said, all the performances are really great. I, I think, um, uh, the director, his, all his films have a great cadence to them. You know what I mean? They, they beat and, have they move really well and um yeah i mean it's shot really well uh there's just some character choices that i didn't like um i don't like that brad pitt's character commits suicide at the end yeah it's a bummer Um, it it seems kind of out of character for him um i think any other movie would have like he would have um, like put his ego aside and finally just tried to learn how to be a good actor instead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I, like, yeah, the performance is great and the cinematography and uh, editing are all great. But I, like, I was constantly wondering, like, where are we going with this? Is this going to be like a chronological retelling of just these episodic things or is like, there's a greater yeah. purpose and then you get to the end and I really felt like Damien Giselle didn't know how he wanted to end the, end the movie, so he just threw a bunch of stuff at the end. Yeah, because even they have the part with uh, Tobey Maguire, and I knew he was in the movie, and I was watching, I was like, man, this movie's been on a long time, and he's not in it yet. I know. Um, <laughs> Same. Which, uh, is he, like, a uh, crime lord or something? Um, yeah. Or is he the, de- the devil that's taking him into lower depths of hell? I think there's some symbolism to that for sure. But yeah, I think he was just uh, like a LA crime boss. Um, you know, not like the traditional mob sense, but just in the CD underbelly sense. And, um, you know, he's connected to you know, ways to get money and kill people. And yeah, I think it was showing Manny's descent into like, like here's what the problem with you constantly coming to Nelly's aid. Yeah. Um, because so she owes the mob eighty five thousand dollars because she's and, a big gambler. Yeah, and I did I did like the twist of how his friend got it. Yeah, um, which was Roy Scoble by the way, from the prop guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's literal prop money. Yeah, uh, the the re- reveal of how Toby Maguire's character found out what it was I thought was kind of lame. Uh, and then. Then he was pissed, and then Manny killed uh, Ethan Sipley. <laughs> yeah, this. his bodyguard or something. But it didn't seem like Toby was going to kill anyone. Um, 
And then they're really bad shots. These guys are running up a narrow hall and they can't shoot them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they shoot like they're in that car and um, yeah, the, the car got shot a bunch, but they never broke a window, surprisingly. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, when uh, they escape to the Count's apartment and then that hitman shows up and executes two of the three of them and he lets Manny go. I was just like, not sure why he let Manny go. I don't know either. Maybe because he, Toby Maguire's character said he wasn't that bad, even though he killed Ethan <laughs> Suplee's character. I don't know. He killed the Count's um, roommate for no good reason either. So I don't, yeah. Yeah. His, his roommate just in there eating. He's like, fuck this guy. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, uh, Chazelle said, well, I need Manny to make it to the end somehow because I have this montage of got what must have been a, a super expensive footage <laughs> collection. Yeah. And I didn't get that. Like, I understand the parallels to what you just saw and how it showed up in Singing in the Rain. But then why did I see Terminator 2 and <laughs> all these other films throughout it? I, I guess it's trying to say that movies are magic. I don't know. Yeah, like this is all all, this whole two and a half hour affair you just watched all amounted to like all these great things you've enjoyed and, uh, you know, maybe take a peek into old old Hollywood to see what I love and have put on the screen, maybe like. (laughs) Yeah, but it also had those weird abstract like ink (laughs) lava lamp things and it really lost me at that point. I I just I was. Well, that's just the mixing of the creativity, Ryan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the all the fluids of uh, ingenuity and creativity just coming together to create Avatar and Jaws and Terminator 2 and 2001, A Space Odyssey. And yeah, God. No, I kept on waiting for them to show Spider-Man or something. He didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Marvel the, probably wouldn't allow their characters to show up in a movie like that. Yeah, I, 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 I guess, yeah, there weren't any Marvel movies in that montage. But yeah, it was a weird ending. Yeah. Like I said, it, you know, Margot Robbie's really great in it. Um, Brad Pitt's fun. Uh, yeah. And, yep. you know... The when Gene Smart is talking to Brad Pitt on how he's going to live forever. Oh, I great go, monologue! Oh, that's that's it's a great monologue. It's also the biggest Oscar Beatty monologue I've ever heard in a long time <laughs> about how magical movies are. Where something like The Fablemans was a little more uh, restrained and <laughs> saying why movies are magical. Um, yeah, it's, it's I, I, I just read on entertainment weekly they have the oscar front runners and babylon came in at number three as movie of the year so it's definitely getting traction in award season i mean hollywood loves movies about hollywood so they do i think the fablemans was actually ahead of it so yeah uh gosh what's the other one from this year it was about movies there's three of them I'm drawing a blank. um, Talk about something else and I'll bring it up on Letterboxd. I'll find it real quick. 
uh yeah but i mean it's still really fun i mean the movie does is fun and i did enjoy it uh but again like when i watched it i want to see it again but i don't know when i want to see it again you know what i mean does that make sense (laughs) yeah it's like schindler's list like you you have to kind of plan ahead of like (laughs) i'm really wanting to watch this and i got to make time for it yeah it's not like man i have a long day and i just need to put something on like it's not that movie no (laughs) um Yeah, Fable. Oh, Empire of Light. That was the other one. Oh, I haven't seen that one. That's why. About the magic um, movies. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I it, I don't understand. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a middle of the road movie for me. Um, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Same. La La Land is much more fun. <laughs> Yeah, much easier. I mean, it goes down much easier. Even his previous movies, you know, Whiplash, which deals with not a good dude, J.K. Simmons' character. At least that movie's still fun. Yeah, and shorter. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, La La Land's brilliant. And uh, First Man, I haven't watched oh, yeah, in a while, but brilliant too. Enjoyed yeah. that too. Which I can't believe that came out like two years later. I know it's pretty. I good keep on forgetting for... he made that movie too. Yeah. He must have been working a on it. And I'll always see his films because they're very interesting. Yeah. This one not as interesting, but I, I still think it's interesting, but um it doesn't move me like his other movies have. You know, I, I mean right away when the uh the elephant shits on Manny, I go, huh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> Definitely not pulling any punches in this one. Yeah. Nope. Um, but yeah, what well, said it wasn't interesting. It's just like there's no like specific direction it's going. Like it feels like a Robert Altman film where stuff is just happening. Yeah, that's a good analogy for sure. You know, something akin to Nashville or shortcuts or something. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I can see that for sure. This is the big news story of the week. It's real news. So the big news story this week is because everyone's pretty much on holiday is uh, we're going to dig into the box office because Avatar has crossed a billion dollars as of today. Um. And James Cameron said it needs to make two billion to be profitable, which is crazy. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is, is people don't know if that's an actual true statement or not. Uh, I mean, a movie that takes ten years to make, probably. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do know they reported the budget at three hundred and fifty million dollars, which is insane. Um, but but even if. So let's say $350 million. I mean, Disney's going to spend, what, $100, $200 million promoting it, which also seems silly. So that's $550. You split the... I guess that makes sense, because you split basically the revenue in half with the theaters. So that means it needs to make $1.1 billion for it to be 
even. So I guess I'm going to I'm going to side with industry a- analysts where they say 1.4 billion and it'll be profitable. Um, you know, that's even before it gets whatever marketing tie-ins or Blu-ray sales and things like that. Um, yeah, the last go around, it was the international uh, tickets that put it over that 2 billion mark. Uh, yeah, it was like 70% of the gross. So, which yeah. is similar to right now where it's right. 69.2% is of that 1 mm. billion is international. So, um Definitely the rest of the world is enjoying Avatar more than America. Yeah, but I mean, obviously it's going to play a long time because I think I was reading that it made $36 million on Christmas Day. But it also didn't have a ton of competition, so there's that. (laughs) No, none at all. Uh, I mean, the biggest competition is Puss in Boots, which I saw as a fun movie. (laughs) You know? So yeah, that's all that's really happening in um, Hollywood land this week is people are box off watching uh, see if Avatar is going to make it to $2 billion, which it looks like it will because I think it's been out two weeks now. It's Um, already at a billion. Yeah. I think it might help put uh, the box office at uh, $8 billion this year. So like in 2019... Um, well, actually, 2018, I think it was the highest ever at 11.8 billion, like as an industry. Mm. Um, and then it sank to 2.1 mil- billion in 2020. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then it doubled 4.4 in 2021, and now it's up to 7.2 in 2022, and it probably hit 7.8 or 9. Yeah. Um, so it's slowly rebounding. So that's, that's pretty good. This is something I have to actually pay attention to because I might get asked about it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on that show. But uh yeah, it's uh I thought it was a lot lower this year, like four or five. So Hollywood's uh definitely getting back to where they knew, even with the lower attendance. Yeah, well, I still think and I mean I harped on it earlier is you know, until October from basically August to October, they really didn't have very many movies come out. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, um, I think their release calendar needed work this year, but maybe this coming year, it'll be better. Yeah, I mean, we're still dealing, like, we had a blend of new stuff and then also just holdovers where they couldn't figure out how to fit it into 2021 slate. And it just, yeah, there's just, there's big patches of, you know, you could have put this here and, instead of putting it elsewhere and competing with these other movies early on. And yeah, it's definitely should have held for the later in the year. And I honestly think that studios are kind of uh, now realizing that streaming isn't a good way to go. They're not making as much money. Um, it costs a lot of money. And I mean, you can look at stuff like HBO max that is already, um, you know, taking their own shows off the air because they don't want to pay the actors residuals when people stream them. Yep. So it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. And I I was reading an article where they're actually predicting, I mean, physical media will never get 
as high as it used to be, but they're thinking it's slowly making a comeback. Um, with, uh, you know, the collector's editions and how popular vinyl is right now. And people actually want that in their, uh, in their homes because, you know, you and I have been beating this drum for years where you, you can lose things in streaming and they might not always be available. And, um, I mean, that's why one of the biggest reasons I do, physical and also like the you know the cover art and box art and things like that yeah and special features and yeah like Mm -hmm. if you're on prime you know for like a month so if you want to watch is free and then it goes back on our pay like next month it's back on our paywall and it's just way easier to have that sitting on your shelf instead and always at your always like at the ready if you want it so yeah um yeah it's also like like i read that uh like streaming has hit, has hit like a subscriber saturation. Oh where yeah, they, where they pretty much hit everybody who's interested, and now it's like like a hard sell to get newer subscribers and maintain the old ones. Um, and there's so many options now that, and so much competition that you know it's expensive to have this many new shows constantly in development. Um, mm-hmm. And then sitting on a server, they have to pay to like host all that data. Um, so that's also why they're pulling shows so they don't have to pay, you know, their competition. Like Amazon doesn't just make their money from shipping items. It's they, they have a server farm that hosts tons of data, like even for the government. Yeah. So, you know, Warner yeah, Brothers doesn't want to pay the, their competition to host their shows. Yeah. And they... Yeah, it, it because it's the model. I, I always wondered how you can make it successful. You know what I mean? Um, because you can tell me that a lot of people are watching, you know, because it just came out, Glass Onion. And, but and Netflix paid, what, $400 million for two of them? So how do they make money off of it? You know what I mean? Because uh, how many people go man i gotta subscribe to netflix so i can watch glass onion but then you're only getting seven to fifteen dollars a month so i don't know i I don't well the the business model doesn't seem to be that strong and that's one of the things i do know that the old ceo of disney uh chapik um focused so heavily on uh disney plus which disney is pretty successful in their streaming but I know Bob Iger is focusing ag- going to focus again on their home video market because I read an article where he thought it was really lacking with their new movies and things like that. So, uh, yeah, they it, like, it's they've only put like the '90s and like a little bit of the 2000s uh, Disney classics out in 4K. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they have such an expansive library, and I mean. I mean, I know you remember. Remember the uh, uh, when they'd go back to the vault. That's why you had to get, you know, Pinocchio right away or Snow White. And now it's when you make it on streaming, you kind of lose that allure or the mystique of those films. Yeah, there's no so, longer urgency because it's generally always there. Yeah, but that's like that's unique to Disney because they're obviously not gonna. Um, 
you know, their catalog's already pretty limited, so they're not just going to like do a vault thing with the Disney yeah. classics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another point I was going to make, I totally forgot it. But anyways, yeah, that's just uh, it'd be interesting how it plays out uh, going forward. Oh yeah, th- their solution now is to just uh, do um, ads within your subscription. So now, whatever you yeah, do, watch you you're, you're just watching TV now. <laughs> yeah, and it gets super annoying when you watch Hulu. Now Hulu puts fucking ads during their movies. They used to not do that. It sucks. Yeah. At least they're like when I'm watching Peacock, it's maybe one commercial and then back to the show. So that's kind of nice. But still, it's like I'm paying to subscribe. Like, isn't that enough? Yeah. But apparently not. I guess the subscription should be $30 or whatever. And I'll I'll do my one plea that I do every once in a while. If there's something you want to get, get it. Um, A studio like Kino Lorber, they release so many old movies on blu-ray that you might not get and uh i just ordered this movie called by candlelight which the only thing i know about is it's directed by james well who did frankenstein bride of frankenstein and it's never been available on dvd or blu-ray so that's a film that i'm gonna buy because i want them to keep doing that with films um I don't want films to be lost and I want people to experience them. And um, so make sure that you do support that stuff because we can't lose things, you know, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever your favorite film might be. Just make sure you support it when it's available. All right. Come off the soapbox. (laughs) Yep. I'm done. Uh, This is what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Well, um, mostly Law & Order reruns. Uh, dumb, dumb. <laughs> the only thing I can really say about that is uh, I'm surprised because I'm in like season 18 right now, two away from it uh, ending and then coming back. Mm. Uh, but I'm just surprised. You know, that's like 2008 or nine, and it's an HD now and you know back in the dick van dyke show there'd be the like not star characters they would play different characters in different stories right different episodes um they're still doing that in law and order (laughs) in like like most egregiously is at the end of season 17 um what's his name uh jeremy sisto he plays a lawyer for the defendant. And it's the season finale. In season 18, he's back as a new character in the premiere as uh, the new detective, like junior detective. Huh. <laughs> I was like, the continuity is just not a thing in Law and Order. Like already it was like, oh, I remember that guy from like last season. Um, you know, like, uh, like, uh, Alexandra Daddario, like as a kid, you know, is, is, is some kid one, and then like two seasons later, she's like some adult, um, in this other plot, and uh, like this whole like four or five year run, there's just multiple side characters coming back as different things, 
And uh, you could get away with it in the Dick Van Dyke show because back then the the TV screen was like six inches wide and (laughs) couldn't see deep face detail that much. But also Um, Alexandria D'Addario and Jeremy Sisto are kind of known actors. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like now, but like, what, 20 years ago now? Like, probably not so much. Like, she really looked like a kid in that one episode. And then like two scenes later, she's a full on adult like model in the in the episode. Um, <sighs> and there's like other people like. Um, Isn't our friend Kirsty in one of those? Uh, I don't know if it's a law and order. I think it's some other procedural. Um, maybe it's season 19 or 20. I'll, I'll, I'll find out. But, um, but yeah, it's just interesting to watch how. You know, these these side characters when we watch it so consistently, they start to pop up again and like so frequently now, um, like the earlier, like 10 and 13 seasons um, is few and far between. Like it was all new people, but now even the, like the, the new detective on the, the reboot season, uh, he was uh, one of the criminals in season 17. Um, <laughs> so they did it again, but that guy, Jeffrey Donovan, um, it's like, man, like it's so much easier to remember those people now, and they just did it anyway. Yeah, so so you're right. So she's been on the blacklist and FBI Most Wanted and All Rise, which are kind of, I guess, all the same thing. Yeah, the like crime procedurals. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that was that. I didn't mean to talk for that long on that, but uh, the main thing I watched was the whale, which I know your wife saw. She did. Um. But I didn't know how to talk to her about it because I don't know what to talk about. It. <laughs> like I know she posted that thing about how she deals with <laughs> that in her profession. I go, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I, she really wanted to see it, and I was indifferent. But she she went to a movie all by herself, which is in 14 years that's the first time she's ever done that. I can't. Yeah, that's shocking to me that that hasn't happened before. Yeah, it's so second nature to me. So it's just like, oh yeah, I mean, I do it at least once a week. (laughs) Yeah, like you've only ever gone to movies with your friends, and you're almost like forty. Okay, you were talking about the whale. Yeah. So yeah, the the whale. Uh, It's obviously from the trailers. It's Brendan Fraser. Uh, He is a very obese man, um, and he is clearly in a depression over something that happened in his past. Uh, we find out right away that he is a gay man and his partner died. And it's pretty obvious that he has been eating himself to, de- to death. Um, and as I was watching the movie, all I could think about was two things. One, I want all the ham. <laughs> That's seriously what I was going to. And then the other thing was that this feels like... Gulp? Was... <laughs> uh, the other thing was that I... Like the the other constant thought was, I was, this feels like it was adapted from a play, and the credits confirmed that. So, mm. um, is it very contained? Yeah, it's uh, it kind of all takes place in his. Uh, I th- you never see the outside, so I think it's a mobile home. Um, but uh, yeah, like I don't know about the accuracy. I, I think your wife can attest to it better, but uh, it goes to a great length to show his uh like what he has to do medically to live in that environment with his condition. Um, the performances are great. He's got a, uh, 
an assistant who you later find out is the sister of his partner. So she's not, you, you think she's a medical professional, but she's really been stripping by trying to help him. So she'll find like uh, a used wheelchair for him mm-hmm. um, and all that. And she comes over um, to check his blood pressure and stuff like that. Uh, the movie kicks into gear when he has a, I want to say mild heart attack, but I think it's just a heart attack. Like it's, it's a, he's on his deathbed basically. Um, his pulse is so over the norm that, uh, he's got about a week to live. They decide. And so he, you find out that he was once married, uh, to Samantha Borton and they have a kid and that kid is Sadie Sink from stranger things. And he abandoned them to go be with his partner um, and so he's trying to make amends and, uh, bring her back into his life. Um, and he has this essay. He's a, he's a college professor who, uh, does, is some, does something in literature and he's zoom chatting everyone because he doesn't want everyone to see what he looks like. Um, but he's a, he's a big nerd for essays and he's constantly telling his class to write honesty and, you know, don't hand in things that are conventional. I, I want to see something new. And he's got this one essay that he keeps reciting throughout the movie that calms him down. And uh, when he has like a heart, a heart attack and whatever. And then, um, you know, the big surprise of the movie is like what that essay comes from. And it's an essay about Moby Dick, but in a very specific angle on it. Um, so yeah, you're just kind of watching him deal with uh you know the last few days of what will probably be his life um mm. and the people and the mistakes he made in the in trying to find one good thing to do in the few days that he has um and uh yeah every time uh something doesn't go wrong he orders a pizza <laughs> or he has like hidden drawers throughout his house with candy bars and just junk food constant junk food um Every time you think that he's going to improve himself, he just falls back into eating himself to death. And uh, yeah, um, and it has a really weird ending. <laughs> oh, and there's also uh, there's this one other character. Um, he's from a church, and so he's going door to door trying to sell people on Jesus. And his side story, um, he's the first to respond to Brendan Fraser's crisis. And uh something compels him to keep coming back, not just to sell Jesus to him, but to help. Um, and then him and his kid kind of have a thing together. And uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil any of those twists and turns, but yeah, it's another fine movie. I wasn't totally invested in it, but it was interesting. And is uh, Brendan Fraser really good in it? That's the big sell that people are telling. Or oh yeah. About. Like I got to know if, he gained all the weight like he couldn't have like that can't be his real weight like ha- that has to be makeup right yeah i'm yeah, sure yeah. it is um but yeah like it's probably the best i've ever seen him in anything like i know he's i, like, I mostly know him from the mummy movies obviously but mm-hmm. um he did a few dramatic things back in the 90s and early 2000s that i'm not familiar with but uh yeah i i, I would put it up there in the oscar contention oh nice um, because 
you know, he's dealing with that grief with his lost partner and, uh, you know, trying to reconnect with his, his daughter and trying to make amends with the wife he abandoned. Um, and then his issue with, uh, he used to go, the kid isn't there because the, the other subplot is that he and his partner used to go to church and they were part of this church. And it just takes place in like Idaho, rural Idaho. And so, um, you know, he believed in all that until they, you know, didn't them being gay. They didn't, they weren't welcome at the church anymore. So, um, and that drove his partner to suicide. So that's why he resents that church that the, the, the kid that's visiting him is from. And so there's all these threads and yeah. Uh, but yeah, performances are great. Like on par with most great dramatic performances I've seen this year. Nice. Uh, I actually only watched a couple things, but uh, to get in the Christmas spirit uh, with Kellen, I watched uh, two Disney plus uh, Mickey uh, Christmas specials. Uh, the first one I watched was Mickey saves Christmas. Um and in it, he has to help Santa Claus deliver um, presents. Uh, what's really cool about this one is it's stop motion animation in um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman kind of style. And it looks really good. Um, the story's really cheesy and it's definitely made for uh, preschoolers. But I appreciated the hard work that went into the animation and uh, how cool the characters looked in that 3D not really claymation style, but kind of puppet style. Um, so that was fun. And uh, the the one that was really, really fun, I guess it came out a while ago, uh, six years ago, it's called Duck the Halls, a Mickey Mouse Christmas special. And have you watched the new Mickey Mouse shorts where they're kind of really zany? I, I saw um, one, but yeah, I didn't watch all of them. Yeah, so they're really goofy. Uh, and this one is uh, the Mickey and friends are all getting ready for Christmas, and Daisy and Donald have to migrate south for the winter. Um, but Donald wants to stay behind because he wants to celebrate Christmas. But when he stays behind, it has effects on his um, physiological effects on his body <laughs> and so he tries to make it through christmas but as the little short goes on he keeps on getting more crazy and uh sillier things are happening to him and it's told in such a manic way that it's really funny and uh kellen could not stop laughing at it and it's just a really cute little cartoon um, it's definitely one of the more fun ones I've watched recently. And I, I just really like the way, uh, Disney has kind of re-embraced Mickey being a goofball and kind of, um, a rascal. And it's really highlighted in this and it's, you know, classic 2d hand-drawn animation, which I really miss. Um, and yeah, it's just a really fun little thing. Um, I don't know how many people want to watch it after Christmas, but it's still really silly and funny, and you should definitely um, check it out on Disney+. Plus. 
And that's all I really watched this week. I did watch Die Hard with Laura. She, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, because she wanted to watch an offbeat Christmas movie, and she said Gremlins, but we watch it every year, and I didn't feel like watching Gremlins. So I, I, I coaxed her into watching Die Hard, and that movie's obviously really fun. Um, you know, people never mention that Die Hard 2 is also a Christmas movie. It is, and filmed in Denver. Yeah. Old so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, that was just uh, a fun one. Uh, it's definitely 80s, and it's a good movie just to put on and watch. You know, I... I I've been watching some 80 action, 80s action movies a lot lately, and I, I do miss that style of action film where it's one, you know, super buff dude going against terrorists or whomever, and they have the one-liners and things like that. It's just really fun. So, yeah, that's all I did. Uh, next week, I don't know what you want to watch. There's nothing coming out in theaters. Um, well, next week we're doing from Explosion. Uh, I know next week is a week before Film Explosion. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Because, shoot, we didn't plan that right. Because, yeah, we, yeah. we'll be doing Film Explosion over Megan, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh, I guess we'll just have to watch something that's already out that we missed. I mean, I did see Puss in Boots, which I guess I could have talked about. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's also, I mean, I don't know if do you have Netflix. I don't. Because uh, because Pinocchio is out. Um, hang on, well, that, I'm going to go well, to. I think uh, Pinocchio is still at the charities. Let me look. Yeah, I'll figure it out and I'll send it to you. Yeah, I, it, yeah. Like I said, you already saw Puss in Boots. We could do that. I don't mind going yeah. to do that. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun. So we'll uh we'll definitely do some shit movie. And then um Yep, and then film explosion. 2022 already over. Yep. So sad. <laughs> uh thanks for listening and we'll see you at the movies. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.